applause. Yeah, Father God, I just, I just thank you for Angela, Lord, and Greg. Thank you for uh, just the gift uh, they are uh, to your church. I just thank you, Lord, that um, you've done so many things in her heart. Uh, you, Father Lord, saved her, brought her into your family. And I pray that, Father Lord, from that experience, she can bring you to us. Thank you that your hand is upon her and Greg, and that they can be a blessing to us this morning. I pray, God, that you put your very words in her mouth to speak. Holy Spirit, would you just, yeah, just as you all already are here, would you come and just move in power? Thank you for those words that are living and active. Bring them to life again amongst us. I pray that everyone here will have something from you, Lord Jesus. We just, we love you and love the fact that we're here. And Father, we love Angela and Greg as well. And just pray, God, that you bless them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I've actually known Angela for what? Known, known her many, many, so since I was a teenager, actually. Um, and it's such a, a privilege and a great joy to have you. In Ghana. Indeed. Ghana, the best place to be. I want to read to you from Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So will I bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand up upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for the jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exalt for the mouths of, of the liars of the liars will be stopped. And Father, we just love you so much. That's, I mean, that's the bottom line. Lord, that's why I'm here today. I love you and I love your church. And Father, I ask for such power, for something to happen, that we will be changed. I need to be changed. We need to be changed. We are hungry, Lord. We are so hungry. And Lord, the nation needs a hungry church, hungry for you, and hungry to do your works, to bring stability in this nation, in our areas, in our families. Father, we want to bring all our stuff to you right in the beginning and say, Lord, will you sort us? Will you bring healing? Will you do stuff that we haven't even imagined? 
things that we've let go of and thought, this will never change. This will never change. Will you do things in us? We're just hungry for you, Lord. Hungry for you. We're not, we aren't orphans. We're your kids. And so come, Lord. Holy Spirit, have full reign. Jesus, thank you for your blood. Thank you, thank you. Amen. Well, again, as God does, and, and which Sam prophetically prayed, um, I've got dozens of papers. And God says, now hold, hold on, start like the wakes up me up in the night. So Psalm 63, when I meditate on you in my bed. And he says, no, start by telling them a bit about yourself. Is that okay? Start by that. Because you see, we look at people with microphones and stuff and traveling ministries and we think, oh boy, how wonderful. But we've got histories, we've got stories. And so I was brought up in a small town in South Africa to a British dad and a South African mum. My British dad came over to, to, uh, to South Africa during the war uh, with the Royal Air Force, stayed there, met my mum, and then the war ended. So he, my mum was 17, and um, he asked her to marry him, but for that she had to leave school because he wanted to bring her back to England, which they did. But it was actually quite a negative thing for my mum because she always felt robbed robbed of her schooling, robbed of life, robbed of something. They lived in the UK for a while, but then my mother couldn't cope up in Lincolnshire after the war with the, you know, uh, what's it called? Shortages, rations and so on, and the cold. (laughs) And she was quite lonely and couldn't really adapt. And so they came back to South Africa where I was born. But what happened was it left my mother um, always angry. Always something happened to her in that um, she didn't know how to look after us. And so we were uh, physically and emotionally abused and neglected, really. And um, my dad was wonderful. He was a civil engineer. But I think he felt so guilty at at taking my mother away and what had happened to her, that he was was wonderful and kind, but he had no backbone. He never stood up for us. And so I never really knew what a mother, a proper mother was, and I never really knew what a proper father was. And it's, you know, it's sometimes good to give a bit of one's background so that you, you know, hungering after God. It's only him. It's only him. And then to take one through that emotional and physical abuse, I was terrified of my mother, absolutely terrified, and of her authority. So she took all her pain out on her children, really. Um, we, were very, we were very churched. We went to a denomination, grew up in church, but were certainly not a Christian family. And um, it was only in my early 20s that somebody gave the gospel to me. And um, 
I suppose in the neglect, I push through. I have a, the raw. You see, God had put a raw in me even before I was saved. And this you need to know for yourselves. He's chosen us before time. He's put something in us to keep going. And even when everything in me wanted to give up, it was no. There was a time when my mother said, you're well educated enough, which would be maybe your GCSEs. That's enough. You must go earn a living. And inside myself, I thought, no. So I had a sister who was working already who paid for my extra schooling and studying and for my clothing and books and so on because my mother wouldn't, she wouldn't give money for anything. Interesting, huh? Doesn't it give you a different perspective on a visiting speaker? <laughs> but you see, we are normal people. We are normal people who have just not given up. It's like in Isaiah 54 at the end it says, uh, uh, we, we are the vindicators for God. We vindicate. This is, I'm God's vindication of what the enemy does to people. Yeah, we are all as church, we the vindicators. He uses us as power in his hands to bring hope and healing and help to others. And, uh, and I wasn't going to come and tell you all this. Why would I tell you my personal stuff? I've got notes, which some of which I will get to. But I think in the hungering, it's about who we are and about things that hold us back. And yes, but, I don't. And yes, but, you know. And uh, um, get back to me studying and then um, coming to live in Cape Town and becoming born again. And when I was born again, I took the Bible and I thought, what happened to me? What, what was that? Because I knew something had happened. Because when... When I was told about my sin and asked Jesus to forgive me, I wept and wept and wept and wept and wept. And it's like, why did I do that? I didn't even understand really what I'd done, but I knew something had happened. So I had to um, study. I took the Bible and I looked at the Gospels. And suddenly... All those Bible stories, so even if, you, if people are in a denomination and, and like we say, the gospel's not preached, something happens because those Bible stories suddenly came to life. Oh, I understand Joan in the whale. Of course it can happen. Jesus is involved. And it, all, it wasn't fairy stories. It all made sense. And where, where Jesus, I looked to see how am I going to live? Because I had no role models, no, nothing that I could get hold of. And I saw he, he sat with his disciples, he taught them, and then he moved around with them and showed them what to do, and then he sent them out to do it. And I thought, I will do that. And so I think I got hold of something from the moment I became a Christian, from the moment I said, Lord Jesus, I am sorry. I want to be your disciple. Come and live in me. Something happened in me when, where I knew who I was. It's like God replaced that neglect. And often, really, even in a house with parents, feeling unloved and an orphan, God replaced it with his 
roar. So I understood the, the power of my salvation. And I think God, that's what God has prepared before time for me, to be able to impart the power of our salvation to come through all the rubbish that the enemy throws against us and that life throws against us, which could trip us up, but it doesn't have to. It really doesn't have to. And today is the day that we are going to break through all our stuff and our baggage and the, the nonsense that we think, well, I can't because of, you know, and so on. So we are based at City Church Cambridge. And in the past few weeks, somebody told me that one person went to another and said, Angela, so lucky. Everything goes right for her. You know, she has a microphone and she travels all over. She's so lucky. Nothing bad ever happens to her. And you, I got quite a shock because I thought that's not particularly what I want to portray. It's what people pick up. And so I feel that's also why God wants me to tell my story, really. And, um, and then what does God do without my permission? Funny how he doesn't ask permission to do stuff. He just looks for obedience. You know what I'm talking about. He doesn't ask permission. Because before time, he has prepared things for us to do. But he's so kind that already in us, when we, when we become his children, he puts everything in us that is needed. And he says, bring out. Bring out what I've put in. Work out your salvation. Not to earn it, but it's there. So now, do what, what he puts in front of us. And so, not only did I come from an abusive home, but it was a 100% racist home. Not for, again, not from my dad's side, but from my mother's side. I think she, she ran on hate, really. So it was hate of anybody who was different. And um, by the way, I led her to the Lord before she died, and for which I'm very grateful. And I led my dad to the Lord too. And so, I mean, what a bonus. What, what a bonus. Uh, because I, I'm telling you about my mother, but bless her, I don't think she was parented well, and nobody looked after or cared for her to bring her through all this trauma. There was nothing like that. So we who are in church like this are very blessed. Let me tell you, we're very blessed because we've got people who can walk us through all these issues. Because along the line, even if you grew up in a nice home, got issues. There's issues that happen. There's just issues, stuff. Stuff happens to every single one. No matter how rich or poor, black or white, educated or not, stuff happens. And so before time, God thought, oh, I'm going to take that one. She's going to understand neglect and abuse and oppression. And she, though she's not a blatant racist, she's closeted uh, racist. And I'm going to take her in a very divided South Africa, and I'm going to put her in the townships with black people and teach her how to love, how to be emotionally healed, how to hug, um, how to get through her own issues 
Isn't that interesting? How to get through her own issues. So God puts us in places, like iron sharpens iron. He puts us in tough places, not because he's a cruel God. We sing that song, you're a good, good father, that's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's because he loves us so much that it's about he wants to heal us. He wants to heal us all the time. So he puts us in the right place at the right time. And he's so good that uh, when, he when he allows these things, he doesn't do it. He allows it. He says to us, I've put enough in you. He has shouted over me so often, Angela, get up and walk. I don't want to. Get up and walk. Because I've put enough in you to push through. I'm a good father. I wouldn't allow you to go through this without putting enough in you to get through. And I think there's various of you here this morning who need to hear that. If you're going through tough things, God has put enough in you to get through. He's a good father. He's a good father. Sometimes he appears like, oh, where are you? I call to you, says David many times in the Psalms. I call to you. What, you asleep up there? I called. Where were you? But he always comes back to, but my God, I lift my eyes to you. I will praise you. And I think that's how God has brought me through, always lifting my eyes. I will not give up. I will not give up. So even working in a black township, again, I met the, the love of the black people, but the hate of white people for breaking rules, you know, and it was apartheid. And you think, but I've had enough of that. Yes, more. And I just want everybody to like me. Are you the same? Do we like people to like us? And then he puts me in a place where I'm not going to be liked. Oh, Father. And he says, no, look to me. Look to me. I think, oh, well, okay. <laughs> I've spent hours on the side of Table Mountain with bunches of tissues. Oh, Father, being such a wimp, being such a wimp, and weeping, I don't want to. I know you've got no favorites, but I'm certainly not your favorite. Look where you put me. Can anybody identify? <laughs> it's, it's tricky. It's so tricky. And then I want him to say, you know what? You're a good girl. You've brought it this far. You've obeyed this far. I'm going to give you time out. I'll send somebody else. And he says to me, no, get on your feet and go back. I will look after everything else. You go back. Oh, well, father. But you know what? He knew what was good for me. Because when I was in the townships, oh, I came alive. I knew why I was born. He gave me strength and power, and um, it's the townships whom, that made me who I am today. It's the townships that taught me how to move in power and trust God. And if I'd remained in my own little setting, I would have ended up, oh boy, still with a roar, but not knowing, knowing God. But when you're the, the only white person in a black community that's been abused and oppressed, you certainly learn how to humble yourself 
And you learn now to say, Father God, <laughs> Father God, help. But there was more danger from the security police than from people in our townships. The township people just loved me. They thought, this crazy white woman, how can she come into a township by herself? And because I did that, I was loved and protected. People would have died for me. But from the white side, the security police were quite awful. And from even our church side, it was, why are you doing this? You must be mad. Why are you doing this? And I wanted people to back me, to say, Angela, just get on and do it. Because I just wanted to give up all the time. It wasn't, here I go. Now I'm going to be filled. It was, oh, here I go. I don't want to go. And again, you must hear this, because I have quite a history in what God has done. But it wasn't with filled with the Holy Spirit. It was, I'm just going to obey, but I'm dead scared. I am so scared. And what if I die? I've got three small girls. What if I die? And God just said, I'll look after them. <laughs> like, okay. But you know, my passion for justice, my passion there were friends how, in the township. I had so many friends. How do I just give up? It wasn't a work. I, don't, I didn't work. I, didn't, I went as an evangelist. I didn't go with the poor. I just wanted to get people saved. And I learned how to work with the poor, really, and fight. But it was justice. Because I grew up in an unjust, unjust household, justice. Oh, because I was blamed for lots of stuff in our house. My mother also preferred my brother to the girls. And so we got blamed. The girls got blamed for what the boy did. And, you know, all kinds of the injustice of it all made me raw. And, um, and so being in the township and seeing the injustice, I roared. God taught me, took the brainwashing of a white South African off me. Five years it took. Five years it took. Layer by layer. He's so kind. If he'd just taken it off, I would have been blown away. But he took it off bit by bit and trained me into how to think and how to have a clear mind in what was happening in South Africa. And, um, and then just being despised and having to win white people over was a huge thing. I think, I don't want this. We don't want this, do we? We want to be liked. As church, we want to be liked. Yeah? And so 20 years later, God brought me, 20 years in the townships, seeing God doing remarkable things and getting our church to be multicultural, planting multicultural churches. And in the process, I met Sam in Ghana because I was also traveling with a team up to West Africa and, uh, and then God brought us to the UK. And suddenly, from being in shacks and fighting for the oppressed, and so I stand with a microphone. 13 years ago, we came for six months, and we are still here. <laughs> Booked solid. But it's wonderful because there's a hunger in this nation. I'm here because this nation is hungry. Europe, the West, is hungry for God. Now, you'd think... And I would think, 
how would a township person trained up in a township sitting in shacks made of corrugated iron on sand with flies and neglect, how can such a person come to the West and be of any use? Isn't it just like God? Isn't it just like him? He just turns things round. He makes the impossible possible. And, um, and so here I am today, having walked through many, many waters. And living cross-culturally in the West is not easy neither, is it, Sam? It's, it's, it's a different mindset. It's different. And one's got to tread carefully because half the time I don't even understand the culture. Even though we grew up in our home life was English... But our outside life was South African, so it's like, whoa. But even there, in the culture here, I'm having to think all the time. Now, what do they mean? And why is everybody laughing at the jokes that I don't get? And why do people like Mr. Bean so much? You like Mr. Bean? Oh, he's so embarrassing. He puts chips up his nose. And, oh. and so learning all the time, it's not, now, Angela, go into your comfort and rest. No. You go, I love my church, says God. I've equipped you. I've brought you through many waters. I have a history. And I could have given up long ago. But I won't. I won't because because of Jesus, because he's just so full of love for me and for us, and because he's put a passion in me for the church. When I look at each of you, I think, oh, this is the church. I don't see all your things that you're going through, the issues. I just think, look at the power. And you see, when the enemy looks on, on this group, he says, oh, no, armed and dangerous. Let's, let's, let's undermine. Let's pull the, the mat from under them. Let's do stuff to them so that they won't stand up and be who they call to be. So in the process of this history of mine, I've learned to trust God. This book is true. I know we know it's true. But when you're in the midst of trouble, that's when you prove it's true. Really... It's not in the, the fat years. And everything's going well. It, it proves, doesn't prove much. It proves God loves us. But, but when you're in lean years, when things are going wrong, oh my word, I eat this book. And then to crown it all, you'd think, Father, okay. So I grew up in a not too good home. And then I worked in the township. It was very dangerous. I did everything you asked. And then I came to England, and I'm now living here. And Greg and I travel so much, you know. I wish we'd kept a, a log of all the beds we've slept in. And you must be, surely, comfort and everything good awaits me. And then my daughter, my oldest daughter, gets a kidney disease. And two years ago, her kidney collapsed. And she was dying. She was on dialysis. And you think, we prayed, Father, 
will you come and will you put your hands into her back and heal her kidneys? He can do that, can't he? He can restore kidneys, but he didn't. And then you've got to deal with that. So I'm doing all the speaking all over, but my mind is on my girl back in Cape Town. And then they do tests on my other two daughters who offered kidneys. And they both have uh, the same, or all three, they found at the same tissue type, which is glorious. So they nominate my youngest daughter to fly to Cape Town. She lives in St. Neots, to fly to Cape Town to donate her kidney. This is 2017. Do you see? You see, we look at people and we look and we think they've got it made. But behind the scenes, there's stuff going on. And I want to be honest with you today because I will get to the papers, but it's too, maybe. But I feel God wants to do healing and breakthrough. He wants us to say, well, I've had enough of this. I don't need to gripe over this, that, and that, or wait for my healing. If I had to wait for my healing, I'd still be way back there. I work and get healed in the process. I give away, and when I look, I think, oh, that's been healed. And that thing's been healed, and that anger is now gone. And it's not, now I need tons of counseling and tons of this and that and it's like, no, I'm, I'm running. And in the process, healing comes as we run and give all to God, really, you know. Not that we mustn't go for counsel and all that, but don't depend on that. Keep on running. And as a side thing, get counsel. And, um, and the kidneys. So we go to Cape Town. So Greg stays home to look after our three grandchildren while the mother... Um, and the, and the husband, the husband and the three kids, because husband's working, three small kids. And I fly to Cape Town with my youngest daughter. Can you imagine standing in a hospital? And funnily enough, God woke me up this in the night and said, tell them about the hospital. I thought, I don't want to talk about the hospital. But it all goes into, into the story. Imagine standing in a hospital. My youngest daughter is in the operating theater. She's, she's whole, she's normal, she's healthy. Checked at Addenbrooke's Hospital in Cambridge that everything is 100% healthy before they would allow you to donate. And I'm in the little waiting room next to the theater, eight o'clock in the morning, and they they said it will, she'll come out at about 12. Before the time, the, the guy who was going to take out the kidney said he's got two minutes, 30 seconds. They make a cut and then they put a basket thing up and they snip the kidney and they pull it out and they've got two minutes, 30 seconds to bring it through uh, all the organs to keep it alive. I didn't need to know that. So I've got a daughter upstairs who's dying, waiting for a kidney, and I've got one in the theater giving a kidney. 2017. 
and, and a ministry. I travel the world. I'm itinerant. I go all over talking about the power of God. Do you see? And we go through these things. And, um, and I paced up and down because my girl was in there. I cannot describe to you the, the emotions. I couldn't pray. I groaned. I understand where the Bible says the Holy Spirit groans in us were things that can't be I groaned. I was amazed at the animal sound that came out of me as I longed for my daughter. I wanted to see her pass. Bring the, bring the recovery bed pass so I can see she's alive. What if she died and she's got three kids and a husband and I've got one upstairs dying. It's like too much. By quarter to twelve, I'd had enough. And I stood in the doorway of the waiting room, you know, with the passageway of the hospital, or it's a new hospital in Cape Town, all clean and fresh, big, not a soul around, and then the operating theater and recovery next door. I said to God, I've had enough. I want my girl. And God said to me, open your eyes. I remember when my eyes were open, but it's like open your spiritual eyes. And in the passage was myriads and myriads of angels. And I can't explain. They were from the floor, right to the, tall, small, from the front to the back. Length to, which is angel upon angel, I can still see in my mind. Angel upon angel. Upon angel. Now I see angels, ones and twos, but this was hosts. And the father said, I've done this for you. That's his kindness, do you see? I've done this for you. And with that, the Holy Spirit fell on me. I mean, it wasn't a holy moment. It wasn't like we're here for the glory of God. I was in, I'd had it. And the Holy Spirit fell on me one of those, whoa, times. And when I stood up, I could cope. He did something in me for me to be able to carry my family through. And with that, they brought the bed pass with my daughter. And there she was, nattering away already. Like, okay, just lost the kidney. And we went up to the, uh, the operating theater, and uh, to the top ward. And the one daughter was able to hug the other one. Because you can imagine the one upstairs is thinking, my sister, my sister. And then they took that one down to the operating theater. And our daughter, Hazel, and uh, she was in the bed. I stood with her husband. And then they say... Um, they come and tell us that the transplant surgeon is in traffic and has been blocked. And I'm thinking, I didn't think of that. What if, what if she can't get there? What if she can't? Father God, Father God. It's like no relief, really. It's like, and then, to crown it all, Two nurses go past with a trolley, and it says human organ on it. And I think, that's my daughter's kidney going along there. Can you, can you enter the emotion of it? It's like mind-blowing. 
Anyway, she went into the theatre. My son-in-law and I went for a, a meal because they told us this was about one o'clock and she'd be out at six. So we went for a meal. Lovely lady sitting in the hospital canteen and she leans over to us and she says, so who are you waiting for? And we give her the story. And she pats my son-in-law and she says, I'm your angel. He's going to be all right. He's going to be. And only like the next day or the next, we thought, was that a woman or was that another angel? I mean, it like, but something happened. This is our father. I'm telling you this because this is, this is the God we serve. Really, this is the God. He is so supernatural. He loves us so much. And he sends help to us whenever we need him. And that's why I'm so hungry for him, because I've, I've seen. I've seen what he can do. I've seen his breakthrough. I've seen his love. My son-in-law and I got back to the waiting room, waiting for the wife to come out, my daughter. And the, the transplant um, surgeon comes into the waiting th room at about quarter to four with, you know, this mask down here. That means the operation is finished. And uh, my son-in-law says, where's Hazel? And the, the, the surgeon says, she's fine, she's in recovery. The transplant went so well that when they, when they put the kidney in, they found the tissue type was like an identical twin. And there's six years between them. That's what God did. So it began pumping immediately. It took us a year of trauma because when what I learned is that people can have, have cancer and then you have chemo, then you're in remission, or so, and we leave people then. But you know what? After remission or after a transplant or after people are well is the time they need lots of help because of the post-traumatic stress. So as a family, we were quite traumatized for the whole of last year really and have only just come through but for God isn't it amazing it is God it is God and here I stand today coming to speak to you about his glory his power who we are in him he loves us so much. He doesn't always keep us from things happening, but he gives us enough to get through. Yeah? Are you all in shock? Are you all a bit traumatized now? Father God, Father God, will you come and give breakthrough? I want to ask, Lord, any part of this story that hit anybody, I want to ask for healing for people. I want to ask for healing. Father, I think of my two sons-in-law. One, one's wife gave a kidney. She's running marathons now with one kidney. You can. And, uh, and the other one who had to live through all this trauma, thinking his wife was going to die. And they've got two adopted boys. And it's like, no, they can't. their mother can't die. And so, men, I bless you because you carry quite a load. I bless you so much, men. 
because you carry quite a load. And women, I bless you. Because when I was working in the townships, I, I was just me. But I suddenly found out that I was a woman in ministry. And it wasn't really allowed. Women weren't allowed to do these things. Father, the women aren't allowed to do these things. And he would just say to me, go and do. And I thought, oh, <laughs> you understand? It was those days when, you, but you, you, you starting churches. I didn't know I was starting churches. I led people to the Lord, and then there was nowhere to send them, so I built something into them. And, and so it was tough, and the whole thing was, no, you've got to give up. Give up. Why are you a woman doing men's work? And I thought, oh, Father. You can see, you understand why I know the Father. And he allows these things so that we can push through and help others. If I didn't have a history, I wouldn't be who I am today. I am who I am because of that walk and not giving up. I won't give up. And I want to say to you all, please don't give up. Please don't give up. I want you to stand. And if anybody here needs, needs heal, anything in my story that struck, anything where you feel, actually, I'm traumatized or I need healing or... I feel like giving up, but I don't want to. Or, I just want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to be like you. Because, you know, the Apostle Paul, Paul said, be like me. I just don't want to give up. I want you to come forward. If you want to be a winner, a push-thrower, but also if you have traumas, if you have... Because in this nation, it's going to shake a bit more. We need some roaring lions and it's not by chance you know God has linked Greg and I to you so deeply and um, our team leader our lead elder Daniel Goodman came with me to a staff day and he's also met Paul and others and he sent me a text to say give the church my love there's a link between Cambridge Church and you guys that and Natalie go, has been there, and Andrew Bunt has been, and something is happening. We, we are family together, Hastings and Cambridge. Quite amazing. You think, how did God organize that? But Greg and I feel part of you. This is what I told you this morning. I don't think Greg has heard me ever tell another church this. Funnily enough, I said to... Sam or Steve this morning, Steve, the, I've done a few firsts. I think this is our third time here, and I've done a few firsts every time I've come here. And I feel it's because you're a pioneering church. You're going to be a church doing firsts, doing firsts, because I've never, uh, I just, you know, do stuff. I've never told my testimony in full. I've told bits and pieces, especially the township stuff, but never the full, the full bit. And that's because maybe things will shake a bit. Pain will come. You know, the, 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 the higher you go with God, the more hungry you are, the more the enemy comes to give smacks. And it's like, no, even when he comes, and he will come, that's his job. That's his job, to undermine the children of God. When he does come, 
You can say, Father, help. You can cry. Just lie on your face and cry. And you can wimp away for a little while, but please don't get into self-pity. Because self-pity ruins us. It ruins us. And then you get up and say, no, Father, I'm going again. Even with gritted teeth, even if you don't feel like it. Half the time, I don't feel like doing what I'm doing. Why would one want to get into an, it sounds glorious, going in an aeroplane to here and there. Ah, it's so weary. Imagine EasyJet and Ryanair and all that, you know. And, and, and Greg and I don't pack and say, where are we going? It's like, oh boy, here we go. We've got to go and serve. And then we get to the place and it's like, yes. And I just think of last night. I'm the driver. Greg doesn't drive. So I drove from 2 o'clock till quarter to 8. So the person who stood here last night telling you about Mufasa, I spoke at a weakness. I said to God, you've got to do something. My mind is blown. Do something. And I've, I loved the evening. I thought the worship was outstanding. And so I want to commend you as a church. There's something on the go here. God's got new things. It's pioneering things in a whole new way. And Father God, see people. It's my silly story, Lord, but it's your thread through it. People want something. People have got stories like mine, maybe worse than mine, maybe better than mine. But they, you've got people here, Lord. I want to ask for healing for those that need healing. Healing from memories. Healing from not being fathered and mothered well, Lord. Oh, Father. Great healing, step by step. My, I'm probably going to need healing from that even, there's never, I'm never through till I die. Do you see? We're never the finished product. We're never perfect because we always need God. Oh, I need God. So, Father, come and do a work here for us so that we know who we are. I'm a child of God. Enemy, you mess with me. You're messing with the apple of God's eye. That's who I am and that's who you are. If I told you about a flowery history and walking on clouds, you'd say, yeah, but of course. But you, you know now who I am. But I'm a winner. And in West Africa, we used to sing a song to each other. I'm a, I'm a winner in the Lord Jesus. Are you a winner? And we would run to each other. And I'm a winner in the Lord Jesus. Are you a winner? And, you know, we, we declare. Not all of us feel like winners, but we declare we declare who we are in God. So, Father, I want to ask for anointing for hands now. An anointing to bring healing to minds and hearts. Right here of the people in front of me, those who didn't come forward are all part of. And so also get involved, please. Uh, it's not, a, as I said last night, about, not about coming forward. That's just for me. I'm an African, so we move. Um, and also people sit too long. And I want you, please, Holy Spirit, come and fall on us. Come and fall on us. Whoa, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're so generous, that you bubble up inside us. And Father, yes, I've got a paper. But Lord, the paper's got notes on it. I am the note today. I'm the note 
And Father, whatever the notes were going to do, will you do it now? Will you do it now? And give people the gift of healing here, the gift of breakthrough, the gift of discernment, words of wisdom, because it's in people here. It's in you. It's, it's there to come out. Work out what God has put in. And I want to ask for a brave people will now pray with each other and we'll see breakthrough. Satan, stop it in the name of Jesus. Break all, all um, strongholds in thinking. Break all victim mentality in the name of Jesus. All the I can'ts, all the... All the... Yeah, but you don't know what I've been through. I break that over people in the name of Jesus. The Lord knows, and he calls you strong and, and gracious. And Father, I ask for healing of minds and hearts. Breakthrough in a whole, in a whole new way in, in Jesus' name. Don't let that distract you. That is God just dealing there. But Father, come. Father, come. Father, come. Father, come. I want to ask, Lord, for the healing in people's hands, to pray for others, and the next layer of mental health gets healed. Father, please. Father, please, in Jesus' name. Okay, people, get in twos and pray. Pray with authority. Pray with power. Pray with, not Lord, not please, not Lord God, will you please come? Not Lord, will you please come and it is Father, I'm your child. Now, with great authority, Lord, will you come and do, is that okay? Go for it. In the chairs as well, pray with each other. This is warfare. This is us who we are in God. Be kind and gentle, kind and gentle, be kind and gentle. The Holy Spirit is kind and gentle, but full of authority and power.